Welcome to the Untangle and Thrive podcast, where we talk about real problems, real clients, and real solutions. Now, here is your host, Angela McKinney. Hi, it's Angela McKinney, and welcome back to the Untangle and Thrive podcast. It's so good to be here. I hope everyone's doing well. I took a break uh, last Monday for, for Labor Day, and I hope you had some good rest. Whew. We are in difficult times. I'm just holding this conscious space here for all the fires, all the people suffering, all the animals suffering. Feels the nature's howling. <laughs> it's screaming. Those external flames of, of rage are so visceral um, in our country right now and, and just in a physical manifestation with the, with the forest fires. And... You know, how do we temper rage? How do we how do we not blow ourselves up? How do we not blow up systems? How do we not blow things up? It requires <laughs> it requires work. It actually requires work. I always say getting angry and hating is so easy. It's so easy to hate. Hate one group of people, hate this group of people, hate this, hate your job, hate, hate, hate. It's so, it's so lazy. It's so easy to blame other people for your problems. I don't know about you guys, but I feel like um, the world, or at least America, our country, is in hijack mode with traumatized, angry people who are lost, who are lost, and I don't hate them, but I feel so sad. I feel so sad that the noise of hate can't be quieted can't be softened, can't be attuned into all the suffering that hate creates, that's what we need to tune into. Not scanning newspaper articles to justify our rage. That is not what the call here is for, people. It's to peek around the other side. It's to get friendly with the other side. It's to tune into the suffering that rage and fires and flames create. <sighs> I'm in a group. I'm in a women's group. And I love dipping into groups. I love being in collaboration with people who are holding or trying to build stamina to learn in life, to get curious, to find middle grounds, to get out of the blame-shame games, take more responsibility for the mending, for the repairing, for the healing that needs to happen. We all need these, these groups of people so that we're not alone with our sadness, we're not alone with our rage, but that we can start to discharge it. We can start to share it in communion. We can start to become part of something bigger around it. 
And honestly, I don't know what I would do without dipping into what I call that medicine of connection, deeper connection with people who are in struggle with how to soften the flames, how to put your fingers on the flame and just soften its violence, right? Because flame can be very helpful. It can be very activating. It can light inspiration, <laughs> right? We need the urgency of fire to move us or tilt us in a new direction. So it's not all bad, right? But how do we convert violent fires, violent flames, the flames of hate and rage and justification and attack and brutality. How do we convert those flames and soften, soften the destruction of it to ignite connection, to convert it into greater connection, greater learning, greater attunement, greater healing? So a woman in the group, she forwarded me um, an email that a doctor had given the neighbor. Her, she had a neighbor and she unfortunately had pneumonia. They thought it was COVID, but whatever. The doctor saw her see watching a particular news uh, program and then proceeded to give her a two-page document justifying the rage of hating the other side of the party, viscerally hating. It was so disturbing, one, and unethical, too, that a doctor would ever do this with a patient who was basically almost on their deathbed, um, struggling for their life, to then um, give her this violent, uh, ju rageful justification of why the why he's going to vote this way. And I don't really care about which way we're slanting here, but she was in the other side of that vote. And it was awful. And this is where we're at. And this is so sad to me, but this is where we're at. And when um, our brains are hijacked with rage and threat that some person or some party or some group of people are going to harm us because it's been conditioned through the news we watch and the programs we eat and the talk show radios we digest and all of this environmental conditioning has been happening for maybe the last two years, maybe the last 20 or 30 years. And we're not willing to get out of that toxic soup and check things out. There's no hope for our brains to get engaged more fully. There's no hope for us to step out and get curious and learn into greater connection. So I ask you, where are you in this conversation? Are you a person who's just talking to the same people that share your same ideas, your same philosophies, your same radicalizations? Are you stepping out of that soup, which does make us sick, by the way, because it isn't integrated? There's no curiosity on the other side of the coin. There's no curiosity of where the common ground is. And there's no curiosity to even locate reality, a reality that can be agreed upon so that the systems can start collaborating and communicating together. Now, anyone who studies integrated science, who understands wholeness and wellness inside of a body system, understands 
these parts need to be in collaboration and communication. And when they're not, even physically, (laughs) then they start to break off and they start to create crisis and they start to create disease and they, they start to create problems, right? So if we just take that framework of what we understand to be integrated science now, and we take the framework of what we know about the neurobiology of the brain and the neuroscience of the brain, the, the limbic system, the lower unconscious system that just scans for justification, just scans for that limited paradigm of threat, what it perceives to be threat. That's all it does is it just sort of scans for it, locks to it, and either gets really aggressive with a rage attack or it runs away because it's so scared or it shuts down. Those are, you know, those are our responses. But what, we, what we're seeing here is the, the cultivation of the rage attack, the spewing of attack, shame, and, and blame. Well, that is, that is a, a system that doesn't produce anything healthy, <laughs> by the way, people. It produces chaos. It produces people who aren't taking any responsibility for their life. It produces stuckness, destruction which is a form of destruction, is stuckness. It doesn't produce leadership. And we're not certainly self-leading ourselves into new experience, right? No, we're staying in the same one over and over again. And we just keep looking to be justified to stay exactly in that soup. And that soup is toxic. Why? Because it's not grounded in any present reality. It's not curious. It's not safe enough to come out of the soup because it's bodies saying, oh my God, those people are going to take over your life. We should kill them all. Right? It's saying these insane things. And the body is holding all of this and convincing the brain that that's all true because none of it's being investigated. And that's how we organize people. And we do this in our personal lives. I mean, we do this. This is what we humans do. We're not bad for it. You're not bad because you're doing it. I do it. We all do it. Let's just get real here. We all do this. Okay? So it's not about, well, and it doesn't even give an excuse that, well, this is just what we do. This is just who I am. This is the way I was raised. Like, right? That's just all BS. That's true. And this is true. Both can be true. We get stronger when we can start to hold oppositional forces. Yes, people. When we can start to expand and hold oppositional forces of danger and safety, for example, or stress and pleasure, we get to start to build stamina and resilience to hold the negative, flame, temper the flames and start to access something positive through connectedness. This is my line, this is what I'm passionate about. This is what I do. This is how I help people. It's not about convincing people that their side is wrong. It's about looking at my own crap and my own biases and my own limitations and being willing to step out of them and explore other people's points of view and really check things out. And not a crazy, I'm going to go underground to like, you know, conspiracy theory garbage website, you know, (laughs) like not available for that. That's not helpful. That's again, distorting reality to such a degree that you can't even start to agree on what is reality. 
but it's stepping out and it's getting curious to hold a new experience, to dive into understanding it a little differently, and how, if possible, can these systems or parts start to work in better collaboration? Is there a way? Now, when you're very dogmatic and you're very rigid and things are black and white, okay, and you take a belief system that has no adaptability, that's really stuck in, it's gotta be this way, or it's not good, it's not in alignment to the Bible, or it's not in alignment to God's will, or it's not in alignment to, to my school, my schooling, of my, my perfectionistic rigid schooling, right? When you have such a rigid, maladaptive system that's dictating your views of the world, then you're in constant emotional reactivity, recreation, destruction, uh, rigidity, black and white, dogmatic victimization, and harm. You're just in a you're in a very authoritarian victim paradigm structure, and there's no good that comes from it, people. There's no wholeness, healing, health, restoration of trust, uh, collaboration, union, communion. It's like separating yourself from the world, basically. You're isolated. You're in some isolated state that's unintegrated, right? I mean, just think about it. Just go to the extreme. Go to the KKKs, for example. Isolated state in the extremity, unintegrated from the whole. It's not integrated. It's not available to integrate. So we all can have these internal punitive systems that are re-victimizing us. And we don't have to be part of a KKK to be isolated in our own hell, in our own island, cut off from the rest of the world and the rest of our body, from our heart, from our soul, from our feet. We, we, we can live in these isolated, victimizing states around money, around our relational life in so many areas, right? I'm just thinking KKK is a very extreme example. And you can see it differently. Oh, of course, it's not integrated to a whole community. It's out there on its own little thing. I'm not saying it doesn't have influence, it doesn't have all those other elements. But when you go back to nature, which is what we came from, and you look into nature, and nature all around us has just billions of years of successful systems, efficient systems, thriving systems for us to study, and you peek into understanding that system and that we too are part of that system, that we're not driving the whole thing here, people. <laughs> we are part of this bigger system. And this system really collaborates. This system tunes in. This system is so attuned. We have so much to learn from it. It's not fighting reality, right? Nature doesn't argue. Damn it, why aren't you blooming? I'm going to just try to fix my blooms and then maybe one day I'll feel like getting a life. You know, they, it doesn't argue with reality. It shapes and designs itself and it course corrects and it adapts and it's flexible, it's dynamic, it senses. Roots talk to each other. I mean, really take that in. Elder redwoods speak and protect the younger trees. 
There is a symphony of communication, of communication happening under the soil, people. Under the soil. Einstein himself, right, knew that he couldn't even begin to understand the soil underneath his feet, right? And what I love about him is he said, between knowledge and befriending mystery, I don't think he said befriending, but but mystery or wonder, which one, collecting more knowledge or learning to how to befriend mystery, which one is more important? <laughs> and he said, absolutely mystery. So he did a little mini exercise and I'm gonna encourage you to do a little mini exercise. We're all needing little mini vacations right now. <laughs> At least I am. Oh my gosh. Little mini vacations. And so what Einstein did is what I'm going to suggest we start doing, I'm doing, I encourage my clients to do, is go outside and allow yourself to become completely disorientated by nature. Let yourself understand that you don't understand anything that you can't even begin to understand the stars and the energy of the sun and the soil that's talking underneath your feet and the symphonies happening between the languages of the animals, of the trees. Let's just tap into that medicine of wonder that is right there available to us. And our job is to dip in, to hear it, to attune to it, to dive into it, not to go, oh, that's a pretty tree. Oh, that's a pretty rose. Oh, what a cute little doggy. It's not about that. It's not about objectifying beauty. It's about dipping into the rich soils of beauty, dipping into the language of nature and letting yourself be taught, letting yourself become willing to understand that you don't know or understand much of anything. And that there's a synchronicity in that knowledge. And that you, as you dip deeper into it, it informs, it informs your viewpoints. It starts to shape the way you all of a sudden think or see a problem. That's why Einstein did it, right? He dipped into mystery and then sometimes what would arise is he could start to solve problems, very complex problems, with really simple, with a, with a simplicity. So little mini vacations, I did this beautiful workshop with this Harp Academy, which was so meaningful. We put dance into my three-step model of untangling. We put music into the three different states. And this last one, the creative self, is really about accessing the opening, opening your arms to the enchantment of mystery and wonder. And so I had everyone do this exercise, this five minute exercise of letting your feet walk you into more mystery, of letting your feet remember, at one point it didn't know how to walk, re-remembering your feet and letting your feet take you in a new direction, letting your heart open and tilt into a new direction, opening, not so much the eyes, but the eyes were really powerful for a lot of people and, and seeing the open sky, the vastness of it, the breathtaking beauty of it. 
not to objectify it, but to allow yourself to be one with it. Opening your skin to feel the kisses of sunshine. Opening your smell to take in the grass, the ears to take in the birds, the crickets, the frogs, the airplane I'm hearing right now. Just letting the symphony of your body start to wake you up and connect you more deeply. So I had a session this morning with someone and I said, do, you know, schedule these in to your day. When we need more stamina right now, we need to be accessing higher states of energy. Many of us are tired. We're doing five jobs. Now we're homeschooling kids, running a business. You know, we're doing so much that we need little mini vacations. So put in a five or 10 minute walk every two hours in your day. Dip into this deeper medicine of connectedness and, and let yourself become disorientated. Let yourself become lost, not understanding nature in its fullest. Okay, people, that's it for me today. I hope everyone's well. I really love having the space with you, so I really appreciate you staying with me. And we'll be back next week. Have a great day. Bye. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, check out our life skills programs. We take these creative life skills and integrate them into a practice. Check out the details at www.untangleandthrive.com program.